Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Anyone excited about Christmas here this morning? (laughs) Not as much as me. You are probably right. Thank you, band. That was incredible. Really appreciate them. Um, This is an exciting morning for some people. It is very close to Christmas. Two more days. Two more sleeps even. Less than 48 hours. From my vantage point, I can see the happy people and the people that are starting their shopping right after I'm done talking. And in fact, somehow we ended up in this boat. Uh, I like to believe not because of anything we did wrong, but of course this couldn't happen to our 14-year-old who could understand, but our 8-year-old, his main gift was ordered a month ago, and it is not here. So there's a little bit of panic in our household. We will uh, figure that out after church today. So that's going to be really great. But these last hours, these last couple days before Christmas morning, I know when I was a child, they were fun, definitely fun, but also agonizing, right? Because I don't like waiting. I really don't like waiting. And I was very fortunate because growing up, I also had a grandmother who did not like to wait. My grandma had four kids. So my grandma and grandpa lived in Oshawa, and we kind of all moved in in different areas. So once every four years, they would come to our house on Christmas Eve, spend the night, Christmas morning. We loved it. We loved spending time with them. But one of the main perks was that we had grandma on our side, right? Because I don't know what your household is like or was like, but for us, it was like there was the kids' union, And then there was the evil parental supervisors, the management, right? And you had to work out what time you were going to get up on Christmas morning. And, you know, they might start with something absolutely ludicrous, like 9.30. And we would counter with 5.30. And then you'd try and meet somewhere in between. But one in four years, my grandma somehow had this power over my parents. And we got up at 5.00. We get up at 5, and and the kids, we could open presents and eat candy and whatever and have a nap later. Our parents were stuck. I didn't realize that until I became a parent. But this was incredible. But what about the other three years? What about the other three years? What are you to do? And Dan and Chad and I, we did our best to negotiate a fair deal. But there was one year that there was no fair deal to be had, so we took matters into our own hands. We were teenagers at this point. Chad had joined a band... And he was playing the bass. And fortunately for us, he had a rather large bass amp on wheels. And we thought at the appropriate time, I can't remember what time that was, but whatever was appropriate to us, so it was probably overall very appropriate. We rolled that amplifier down the hallway against their door, plugged it in, plugged in the bass, turned it up, and Chad started practicing. And the beauty about a bass amp is that, yeah, it's kind of loud, even when it's turned loud, but it's not that. It's the shaking, right? It's like the whole house shaking. You know what? We just didn't want to wait. We didn't want to wait. We're in the third part of a series called Waiting for Christmas. 
And if you missed the other ones, I encourage you to go online and take a look at them. Pastor Nathan started in week one. He was looking in the book of Matthew. He was looking at this list of names that's at the beginning that don't lie. Most of the time when you go there, you skip over that and you get to the real stuff, right? And we do that so often, but, but he showed us what was in those names. And what was in those names is a truth that God always keeps his promises. Promises made thousands of years ago to Abraham were kept when Jesus showed up on the scene. Really important message, really important truth. Last week, our very own Pastor Andy, he prefers to go by Andrew, but Pastor Andy, let's make this stick. He talked about how God, he delivers on his promises, but not always our expectations. And is that not true? Sometimes our expectations, especially around Christmas, are for joy and excitement and happiness. And sometimes if this is a year that you're going through sickness or there's some situations in your job that aren't going how you'd planned, or maybe this is your first year after the loss of a loved one, they can be really hard things. Sometimes our expectations are not quite there. And the other thing we realize is that sometimes there is a time gap between where we think God should answer his promises and should answer our prayers and when it actually happens. So this morning what I was hoping to do as we spend a bit of time talking with each other, mostly me talking to you of course, um, is how are we going to respond in the waiting? Because in life, not just at Christmas, in life we are going to have to wait sometimes. And I hate waiting and I trust many of you do as well. I hate waiting in lines, especially this time of year, especially this afternoon when we'll very likely be in a really long line. I don't like that. I hate even more waiting on hold, especially to a company you pay money to and you just want someone to help you and you wait on hold for 45 minutes. I don't like waiting on hold. As someone who commuted from Peterborough to Toronto for seven years, the worst waiting in my life has always been traffic. Waiting in traffic, I absolutely hate waiting in traffic. But I also don't always like waiting for Christmas. Many of you may not know me all that well, but I really like starting to celebrate Christmas early. Like, I'm totally cool with starting Christmas music in October. I'm that guy. I know I'm the guy that you have the Facebook thing that, like, kill this guy. Yeah, that's me. I like to listen to it early. But I understand that waiting till after Remembrance Day, that kind of makes sense to me. I get that. So mid-November, we're all in. Christmas movies, Christmas music. I just don't like to wait. And I remember my Christmas mornings as a kid. Not Christmas mornings. It was December. We would get the tree up. And the tree would be decorated. And just like Nathan's family, slowly presents would start showing up under that tree. And they would build up and build up and build up. And then there'd be a few more on Christmas morning. Unfortunately, in my house, my opinion is the second most important opinion in my house when it comes to when presents go out. And we don't have anything out until Christmas Day now. Like nothing. But there may be a reason for that. See, those grandparents I was telling you about earlier, they used to have a really big old car, you know, from like the early to mid-80s, with a trunk so big you could fit a smart car in the thing, right? Like the thing is just huge, and it would be full of presents. And the three years that they weren't spending the night with us, they would come a couple weeks before Christmas. And then my grandma would come in and take all the glory, give us hugs and kisses, while my grandpa took like 12 trips between the trunk and the tree. But then, but then, they were there, weren't they? All those presents were there tempting me. And there was one year that I remember I was probably about eight 
And you could tell it was a Nintendo game, which I wanted a Nintendo game, but I needed to make sure I knew that it was the right one. And I unwrapped it just a little bit, and I saw what it was, and I was kind of like, yes, they got me the right one. And then I was like, oh, that doesn't feel so right. That doesn't feel so good. So what happened is I became a present shaker. Present shaker, right? You pick it up, and you shake it, and you move it around, and you ask some very clever questions to the people that bought it, and you're trying to figure out what is in that thing. In fact, did you know if you're a child, you can actually drop the present, listen for the sound to find out what's in it? Because if someone bought you something that's glass, and you're nine years old, that's on them, not on you. But there is a, a very careful art to this thing. But then there was the one year, I think I was about 20, I can't remember exactly, but Carolyn, who was at the time my girlfriend, and then Chad chipped in to buy me something I really wanted, which was a Team Canada hockey jersey. I was really excited about this. And they packaged this thing up in a box that I should not have recognized, and they added some stuff in it that I am not going to figure this out. And I don't know why, but I just threw it out there. I was like, that's my Team Canada jersey. I just threw it out there, right? And you know when people try and play it cool, like you didn't actually get it right? That happened about a second after I saw in both of their eyes this look. See, in Chad's eyes, it was like, seriously? Like, I had a bit of a reputation for this. I still kind of do. But um, (laughs) he was kind of like, seriously, you just did that again? There was a different look in my soon-to-be wife's eyes. The look in her eyes was like, you are a selfish jerk. That's what it was. And you know what? I didn't see that because I wasn't focused on the gift giver. I was focused on the gift for me. I didn't really understand when I was 20. Maybe I should have. I didn't really understand that the gift giver actually gets a lot of joy from seeing you open something and seeing it for the first time. They get a lot of joy from that. And I was stealing that from them because I was focused on myself. I really just didn't, I just didn't like to wait. This morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about two people in the Christmas story that were forced to wait to meet Jesus. They heard that Jesus was coming before they actually got to meet Jesus. And what I wanted to do this morning is I want to look at the two of these. One's a villain, one's a hero. One is King Herod, and one is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And what I want to do is look at their response. I want to look at the response when they found out they had to wait. So, We're going to start with King Herod. So King Herod, he was actually born in the area of Judea, and he was raised as a Jew. And eventually, as he got older, he had some pretty sweet connections happening. He became the king of this area. The client king is what it was called under the Roman government. And he actually did some marvelous things. He built some really impressive buildings. The problem was King Herod thought a lot about himself. He was very caught up in himself. He thought he was a pretty big deal. He was also a very violent man. And we can put all of that together, and you can imagine what his response would be. But we're going to read it. Um, We're going to start in Matthew. I'm going to be reading in uh, Luke in just a little bit. These are both just two different accounts by two different people of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. So we're going to start in Matthew 2, and some of you may have heard this before, but we'll start in verse 1 where it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Now what followed this 
was King Herod telling the wise men, you go find Jesus, then come tell me where he is so I can go worship him. And luckily they were warned. They were warned in a dream not to return to him. And Mary and Joseph were visited by an angel and they were told to flee to Egypt. And it's a good thing because in verse 16 it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. It's a terrible tragedy. A terrible tragedy. What did King Herod do in the waiting? When he found out that Jesus was coming, before he even met Jesus, what did he do? Well, we see that he was troubled, and maybe understandably so. He was introduced to this king of the Jews. He must be thinking, but I'm the king of the Jews, right? I'm the king of the Jews. That should be my son, not someone else. And then it's like he hears that, you know, hit he has a star. How do you even get a star? How do you do that? If you look at it from his point of view, he was very confused, but unfortunately, he was also very focused on himself throughout this entire thing. See, what we see in King Herod, what we see in his waiting, we see selfishness. We see deception, the wise men. We see pride. We see hatred. And in the end, we see a really awful murder of so many young children. It was awful. That was his response in the waiting. But there are other ways to respond. And that brings us to Mary. Now, Mary was a teenage peasant girl. And Mary was betrothed to Mary Joseph. And I don't know if you remember this, those of you that are married or have been married. But if you remember those days, those weeks, those months before you got married, it was kind of an exciting time, wasn't it? It was an exciting time because you're making plans. Where am I going to live? What am I going to do for a living? Are, are we going to have kids or are we not? Are we going to have lots of kids? All of these fun things, these exciting things at the beginning of your life. And Mary was in the middle of this. And then all of a sudden, her life changes drastically, doesn't it? When she has to be waiting. And we find out so much about Mary from reading uh, these scriptures. So we're going to be reading from the book of Luke. Uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 26, where it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And when he came to her, he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and in in his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And if we skip down a couple verses, we see her response to this truth, this news that would have rocked her world. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Like, wow, that is a really different response, isn't it? That is a really different response in the waiting. 
But something in me, when I read that, I'm like, that came from somewhere. See, both King Herod and Mary, their lives were drastically affected by this news. Their lives were not going to go in the way that they planned. And we generally don't like that, do we? We like life to go as we planned, according to the plan. But this news changed all of that. And you see, Herod was so concerned about himself, about his kingdom, about his position, about his story, his very legacy. That's what he was concerned about. Whereas Mary was concerned about something different. You can see right off the bat, Mary was concerned about God, about God's plans, about his purposes, his story, and his legacy. What a difference. What a difference we see. And I think we'll be able to see why there's such a difference if we just read a few verses later. Before I read it, in my Bible, starting in verse 46, there's a title here, and it says, Mary's Song of Praise. And I am far from a musical person, a musician, or a singer. That's not really my deal. But all the same, there's songs I have heard in my life, various songs, songs about love, songs about breakups, songs about joy, songs about really intense grief and hurt. And I've heard these songs, and I can identify with them. I listen to that song, and there's something so real and so powerful in that song that you just, like, can attach yourself to a song. I, I know uh, a couple of years ago when I experienced burnout in the summer, I didn't even know, but I got introduced to this song uh, by Mercy Me, and it was, like, literally weeks before all this happened. And it was a powerful song that carried me through so much. And the reason I think that songs can be so powerful is because... They come from the writer, from a very deep place of the writer, the artist, or whoever that is that's singing those songs. They come from a really deep place. They come with a piece of them attached, don't they? And I think this is why this is so fascinating as we read Mary's song. We're really going to understand what is going on on the inside of Mary. So we'll start in verse 46 where it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of this servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. That's what was inside Mary. See, Mary was clinging to the promise that Pastor Nathan talked about two weeks ago in that sermon that God always keeps his promises. And Mary was still holding on to that promise that God was going to keep. She magnified his name. She was honored to be his. And her response comes out of that. And I think so often the same is true of us, isn't it? Our response will be determined by our focus. And maybe more specifically, our response will be determined by who we are focused on. See, Mary was focused on God, Herod on himself, and the responses looked very much in accordance with that. So if our response will be determined by our focus, I think Christmas is a really great time to evaluate that focus, isn't it? 
See, because while Christmas can be a time of joy and peace and contentment, there can be those parts. Christmas can also be a time that we recognize hurts, disappointments, and problems in relationships, friendships, marriages. We can see those things. They somehow just show up. And maybe it's because it's the end of the year and we're all kind of reflective, right? Or maybe it's because we're spending so much quality time with the people that know us best. But these things tend to pop up. I remember when I was about 13 years old, and I can't remember if this was Christmas Day or Boxing Day. It was right around that season. And I got a new Sega Genesis game, NHL 93. And I was working hard to perfect that one-timer and trying to make the Leafs win, but they were awful in that game. And I I was trying to have fun with that, and I was playing. And I remember this time that I can't remember if it was my mom or my dad, but they called me. And I can't even remember if it was to dinner or to do something. But I do remember part of this story. I remember asking them to just wait as I was playing. Yeah, uh uh-oh is right. And I kept playing. And then they asked me again. And I said, I'm just finishing the game like only a 13-year-old can do. I don't remember my dad yelling at me that day. He didn't march down and hit me that day. He came down and ripped the game out of that Sega Genesis. And the firstborn in me was like, you did not shut that down properly. What are you doing? You're going to break it. But I actually turned towards my dad and I called my dad a jerk. Yeah, gasp is right. I did not know what was happening. And I don't remember what happened after. But I know it did not end well for me. I know that that did not end well for me. But you know what I noticed that day? That in me, like I have come to realize other children of that age, there tends to be a disrespect that you are working out. And sometimes, in some places, and unfortunately that was it for me, it came out what I was really thinking. Because I was totally and completely focused on myself. And my dad's favorite part of this story, like, it's almost cruel. My parents do not support us in raising our children. In fact, when we show up with our children that are of that age, and they talk back to us, which happens from time to time, my parents just laugh. (laughs) They laugh hard, like falling off their chair laughing. They think it's the most funny thing ever, but it's because they know what's going on. And you know what? I don't know. I'll try and get over that. You know what? We all have a little bit of Herod in us, and we all have a little bit of Mary in us. Often the motives inside, my motives in my just wait a minute probably weren't super ugly. I probably thought they were golden. They were really good. This was an important game. Don't you know this is such a good game? But oftentimes our motives can be fuzzy, can't they? See, our focus can so easily be off and we don't even realize it. It's that whole example of when you're driving, you're supposed to look where you're going, right? How many people have enjoyed the construction we've had for the past 17 years on the 115? (laughs) Maybe it's just been three or four years, but over those two bridges where all spring, summer, and fall, you have those barriers, and you have this smaller space. I got a good laugh the one time. I was in the passenger seat, and I looked. There were like racing stripes of paint on either side. Because of people not looking where they're going, but worried about the barriers. And we do that in our life so often, don't we? Sometimes our focus can get off. So what I wanted to do this morning, these are questions um, 
There's some evaluation questions I want to ask you, and take some time to really try and answer. Don't try and answer them for the person beside you. Well, they struggle with this one. That's not helpful for anybody. (laughs) That will end in one of those fights. But if we really try and look in our heart and really try and answer these questions for ourselves, I think it's something that will help us so much. And I have been wrestling with these all week, and they are a bit of a wrestling match. So I will start right now with number one. Am I more concerned about how I look or about who I really am? I'm more concerned about how I look or who I really am. Because really what that question is in its core is am I more concerned about what other people think of me or what God thinks of me? That's the question. That's the question, and that's a hard question, isn't it? Question number two, do I spend more time focusing on what I can give or what I can get? And right now, I know there's about a dozen of you who thought, I just bought Christmas presents. I'm golden on this one. Let's look at the whole past year. In our relationships, at work, in our friendships, with our spouse, with our children, have we been givers or have we been takers? Where have we been? Is our focus off or is our focus in the right place? Question number three. Do I worry about what I don't have and fear I'll never have it or am I thankful for what I do have? And this time of year can be tricky, right? Because even in this room, there's going to be people in wide ranges of salary and what you can buy and purchase at Christmas. Are we looking to see what the neighbors are getting compared to what we're getting? Because that's a trap, right? And that's really hard, but it's a reality that's out there. Are we more concerned about that? Or are we just thankful for what God has blessed us with? Question number four. This Christmas, am I focused on creating the perfect image on social media, on Facebook, that my, my family is just perfectly always getting along? Or am I focused on my heart? Better put, is this this image? Or in me, am I actually this Christmas overwhelmingly thankful for God sending his son? I think it's important we ask these questions. I had a conversation with someone right after the first service, and the, they, they were talking about some of these questions, and the, specifically that perfect image one. And I shared with them a story. In our house last night, we were having a lovely family night. We were watching the star, a story about Jesus. All these things happened. And I don't know where it went out of control, but something went out of control. It did not feel very merry or jolly last night. We had some relational issues, but I want you to know that that happens in my life all the time, and I trust it happens in yours. And we need to be okay with that, and we need to be honest with that instead of putting up this perfect image that everyone gets along all the time. It's so important to be honest. So step one in this is seeing the drift, seeing where maybe we're not focusing where we need to focus. The next step is tough because it requires some humility. Requires us saying, ooh, maybe I got it wrong. And that's changing, changing our focus. So I didn't want to leave you hanging with just those questions like, oh man, where do we go from here? I have five kind of pretty practical examples of ways that we can focus on Jesus this Christmas and this coming year. So we'll start with number one, spending time with God. This is so important. And I would say spending time with God in the morning And I understand right away, there are some people that are not morning people, and you're like, well, no, I spend my time with God at the end of the day. I would encourage you strongly to spend a little bit of time. You do not need a two-hour theological deep dive at 6 a.m. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, before we pick up our phone to look at the hockey scores, to look at Facebook or Instagram or whatever we're going to look at in the morning, why don't we leave that thing just sitting there? Why don't we go down, find a quiet place in our house, 
you wake up at 6 a.m., you'll probably find lots of them. And sit down and just talk to God. Talk to your Father. Say, good morning. (laughs) Thank you for this day. Thank you for my family. You know what? This and this and this are going wrong. And I don't understand it, but God, I thank you that you're in control. Spend that time with him. Maybe open your Bible. Again, I'm not talking about half an hour or an hour. If you can do that, that's wonderful. But I think it's so important we take that first five or ten minutes, spend it with him. Maybe it's a devotional. Maybe it's reading scripture. It needs to include talking to him. I think it's something that will help us to keep our focus right and on him. Number two, and I stole this one from a friend of mine, Kirk Goodman's message on Thanksgiving. Have a gratitude jar. This is something that's so important because a lot of days you're going to be able to write something down that you're thankful for, but there will come a day where you don't know what you're thankful for. Maybe you got hit with a ton of bricks that day with some bad news, with with whatever might be happening relationally in your life. That gratitude jar then, as you read through, you can look at the faithfulness of God. That is something that is so important if we want to keep our focus on Him. Number three, and I'm not saying this just because I'm a pastor at this church. This could be at any church. But I would really encourage you to commit to regularly attending church in 2019. This is something that is so important for so many reasons. Every single week, Pastor Nathan prepares a message. And he spends hours and hours and hours studying and trying to prepare a message with the truth from God that can help you in your life, that can help me and that helps him every single week. That's something that's important. That's something that is so easy to help us focus on God. It's the community. It's all of you. It's all of you amazing people that we can be accountable to and we can be encouraged by and we can be around. That is so, so important. And this morning we were singing some songs. For some people in this place, I don't know where everyone is on their faith journey. There's long-term Christians and people just trying to figure out what's going on with this whole faith thing. But I really and truly believe that as you start singing these songs and maybe even understanding them a little bit, you will feel the presence of God and there is nothing that will focus you on him more than that. Number three, find a consistent way to love other people. And I have a picture here uh, that I'd like to show you of some people loving on your kids. So this was Thursday. They kind of didn't know this was happening until it just happened. They're in the basement of our Tallwood offices. And what they were doing is taking a few hours out of their day in a non-heated basement that isn't overly comfortable, preparing packages for your children for a Christmas Eve service. It's pretty hard to have your focus on yourself when you're serving other people. And I think that's something that is so important. And you know what? It might be through this church. It might be through Pathway Kids or another ministry in this church. It could be helping a neighbor. It could be helping at Brock Mission or at One Roof or so many of those organizations. And maybe, and more likely, it's going to be a mixture of all of those. But that's something that's so important if we want to keep our focus on him. Because again, if we remember, the responses that we're going to have in our life are determined by those focuses. The fifth one that I wanted to share with you is to commit to memorize one scripture verse a month for 2019. I want to challenge you to do this. This will turn your life around. This will change your life. You will literally be focusing on God's word for those times that you're doing it. And and if you're like, well, I don't know where to memorize. Google's a wonderful thing. If you Google uh, Bible verses about forgiveness, your identity in Christ, salvation, whatever you want to do, you can, they will give you a list of things to memorize. This is a powerful, powerful thing. And before I move on from this, I think it's really important that I share something with you. 
I just listed five ways that we can focus on God. Can I tell you that as of now, I can say confidently, I am doing two of those very consistently. I'm doing one of those fairly often. I very rarely do one, and I'm not doing one at all. I want to encourage you that you do not have to start with everything together. You do not have to start with all five of those, and there's definitely more than five that we can do to keep our focus. I would encourage you this week and this coming year to start with one or two. Start with one or two, and then let that list grow. It's something that's so important if our focus is going to stay on Him. So while we're all waiting... Maybe we're waiting for me to finish talking so you can go start your Christmas shopping. Maybe you're waiting for Christmas morning itself. Maybe you're waiting for Jesus' return. Or maybe you're waiting, even though it could be a very long wait for the end of your life. Maybe it's going to be 60 years from now. Maybe it's going to be six days from now. We don't have all that information. But our response in that waiting is going to be determined by our focus. The things that we are focused on are going to determine how we respond. In this time of year... There are so many distractions, aren't there? There's Christmas parties. There's extra church services happening all around. There's gifts. There's trees. There's elves hiding on shelves all around Peterborough County. There's all these things going on. But I want to share one other thing, and and Carolyn touched on this a bit earlier. I want to share one other thing that I have uh, fallen victim to, and that is getting distracted by, and hear me out on this, but the nostalgia of a manger that looks strangely comfortable and a smiling baby and smiling people around and animals that are bowed down. It's like this picture of this like perfect and holy birth. And the birth of Jesus is amazing. It is an absolute gift from God. But if we end the story, a baby was born the end, I think we'll find ourselves in trouble. See, I think the Christmas story is just the beginning. I think we need to focus on his birth and be so thankful for that. But also Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and the fact that he has promised. Remember week one? He has promised that he is coming again. This is such an important thing because without that, we won't be able to come to him and receive the grace that he so freely gives to us because that is the only way that we can come to him as through this grace. So in 2019 and throughout this Christmas, how are you going to wait? How are you going to wait? Over the next couple days, all of us are probably at one time or another going to sit around a Christmas tree. And you know what? There's lots of nice things about a Christmas tree. There's gifts under a tree, and we like gifts, right? We like to shake gifts. We like to open gifts. We like to buy gifts. Gifts are wonderful. If our focus is simply on the gifts, we miss the mark. Our focus is off. You know what? On those Christmas trees, there's lights. There's blinky lights and non-blinky lights. There's old lights. There's new lights. There's these ornaments that have sentimental value. There's these ornaments that we got for $4 at Canadian Tire 12 years ago, and we still pull them out every year. We have all these things on our tree, but if we focus on those distractions, we've missed the focus. We need to look higher. We need to tilt our head and look at what's on top of almost every tree in every house, and that's either a star or an angel. I know there's some other ones out there now, but those are generally what's there. We need to focus ourselves on Jesus. We need to focus ourselves on Jesus because what we're focusing on is going to determine the responses we have in our life. And perhaps we've gone off track a little bit. Just as I close, I wanted to make something just really, really crystal clear. I think the misconception sometimes in church and outside of church 
can be that we need to fix the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we act, the way we are around other people, the way we work. We need to fix all of that stuff, and then we can come to God. Then we can come to church. The number of people I've asked to come to church are like, well, maybe not yet. But that, that's what they're thinking. They're thinking, I've got to make myself right. But that's not actually what the Bible teaches. See, the Bible teaches that we actually need to focus on Him first. We have to accept Him first. We accept that Jesus is our Savior. We need to accept that and then start taking steps towards Him. I love there was a message that Nathan preached. I can't remember if it was part of this series or another, but he talked about the fruit in our lives. And he, he talked about you can't just tie a string to an orange and tie it to a branch. Say, look, I got fruit. It didn't actually come from that. It's the same thing when we just try and modify our behavior. It has to come from the inside. And Jesus will change us from the inside out. How powerful is the response of Mary in that story, isn't it? How powerful and how humble is her response but it was because of who she was focused on. So today, you can choose and I can choose. Are we going to be thinking this Christmas about a baby born 2,000 years ago? But let's remember that he is also the same baby that grew up, that taught us so much, taught us how to live, to love people, to love God. That he died on the cross and rose again for us. In fact, He is our risen and conquering Savior. And here's the most amazing thing. That he has this unconditional, completely faithful, totally dependable love for each one of you. And I know for myself. He loves you so, so much. And he's just asking, will you please just focus on me? So this Christmas, as we wait for the second coming, as we wait for Christmas morning, as we continue to wait, when we are in this waiting... Let's follow the one that came to us 2,000 years ago and gave everything so that we could draw closer to him. Can I pray? God, thank you. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for being a promise keeper. Thank you that when we're in the midst of the waiting, we are not alone, but you are right there with us, Father. God, some of this message, it's been challenging for myself, even preparing it. Some of these questions that I ask, I have to wrestle with. Some of my responses I know aren't right. But to make those adjustments sometimes and where I'm focusing in different scenarios and different relationships is hard. It's hard. It requires humility. Father, I pray that you would help us to make those hard decisions. I pray that you'd help us to make those hard changes. And Father, we want to focus on you this Christmas, not just baby Jesus but our Savior, the Lamb of God, the one who died for us, the one who gave everything for us. And we just want to say this morning and throughout this Christmas season, thank you. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. I pray that as we go from this place, God, you'd help us all to get closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.